Welcome to The Purposeful Project. We help entrepreneurs for free. On The Purposeful Project podcast, we share real-life stories from some of the world's most successful entrepreneurs. We like to think our podcast will provide mentorship to those that need it and give you access to the knowledge you need to start and scale a business. To hear these incredible stories, follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere you listen to podcasts, or you can simply visit purposefulproject.com. Welcome, Shara, to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's nice to meet you, Simon. Well, I've heard so much about you and I just love what you're doing. Would you, would you mind just kicking off things by telling my audience a little bit about who you are and what you're doing? Yes, absolutely. Um, so as you know, my name's Shara. I'll say my last name just so everyone knows how to pronounce it because it's always fun. Um, my last name's Tochia. So I am... Uh, female that lives in North London and I run a lovely wellness brand called Dose and we are dedicated to transforming your mood. So Dose is actually an acronym for your feel-good hormones which are dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin and endorphins. So let's get straight into it. How did you um, how did you start this business? How you know for my listeners that love to start love to start a business how did you go about making this a reality? Uh, it's a great question and I'm going to keep this as summarized as possible. So I've had a marketing career across many different industries, um, that being fashion, hospitality and technology. But I've also had a side hustle for the good old, I'd say 15 years now. I've also taught spin classes before and after work. It's something I've always done as a passion. And I had no idea when I started doing that when I was at university that wellness or anything to do with exercise and health would become my full time job. So after many, many different roles, I was kind of frustrated that let's say four years ago now that there wasn't a platform dedicated to talking to someone like me who loves to exercise, but loves to reward themselves at the same time, i.e. have the pizza, have the glass of red wine because you've done the spin class at 6am. Four years ago, there was only platforms talking about how to get abs in six days, diet pills and a lot of celebrity trash endorsements. So that is the how the inspiration for Dose started. And what were the first few steps that you took to make it happen? I mean, a lot of people have an idea, right? There's loads of my audience listening now that have an idea. And, but how, what were the first few things you did to kind of turn it into reality? So there's a little bit of a backstory, which is I've actually had a failed company prior to starting Dose. So I had learned a lot in that situation. And after that, I had some time going back into employment and uh, freelance work. But I knew and had learned a few tricks along the way. So one of the first steps we did, um, when I say we, I mean myself and my business partner. I work with a wonderful girl called Hetty Holmes is really just look at the market, research exactly what was out there in terms of wellness content. And if anyone listening understands the wellness industry, they'll see that it's become a very popular category in the last four to five years. So we did a lot of research. And at the time of starting the business, I was in full-time employment working for Facebook and Instagram. And we started a newsletter. We wondered, you know, do people actually want to hear about what's going on in London, like the latest vegan restaurant, the latest fitness studio, and the latest 0% alcohol brand. And we just created content every week and emailed a database at the same time that grew and grew and grew. So they were the first few steps. And so um, it's that simple sometimes, isn't it? I think I love this idea that you know it starts with a newsletter. I think it, yeah. it, sometimes people can overthink 
creating a business. And and once you see that people are interested in that content, I'm sure people shared it, right? And that led to a a growth in the database. And and, and sometimes marketing is way too overcomplicated. uh, And it can just be that simple. So after the the newsletter kind of took off, which it clearly did, what, what happened next? What was the kind of next few steps that you took? Well, at the time we were writing the newsletter and we went out every Monday morning. I, like I said, was working full time and my business partner was also working full time. We had one of those, you know, ironic situations now where those jobs came to an ultimatum. Um, Facebook was offering me a full time job and my business partner's business was also offering her a full time job. We were both consultants and we basically sort of said, you know, this business, Dose, has got legs. Is it is it time to jump ship? And in one of those very fortunate scenarios, we actually had our first client come to us around that same time. And we didn't honestly know what the business was. We were like, we've got this amazing community. What do we do with it? What what does it grow to? Is it an app? Is it is it an aggregation marketplace business? And basically the ultimatum resulted in us leaving our jobs and our first paid client. And so was it was it simple to quit? Again, thinking of my listeners that maybe you're in a job they don't love, um, but, you know, it's security, right? It's that guaranteed income, yeah. pays the mortgage and so on. Yeah. Um, how did you mitigate that risk? What was your mindset? So, again, a great question. And this comes back to my backstory. I had a failed company and um, that was a very stressful but wonderful two years of my life. And I kind of always loved working for myself. So then became a freelancer. But deep down knew that I wanted to build a brand again. So I was always saving, always saving, thinking I'm not ready for it. I don't know what I want to do. I haven't met the right person to start this company with. Save, save, save. So yes, I quit Facebook quite quickly. Um, but it was a question of living like a pauper, like you just do when you start a company and, and all your disposable income goes into the business or as you say, paying your bills. I really like this insight and I I want the audience to really pick up on it. This is really interesting. You uh, didn't know what you wanted to do, but you did know that you wanted to build a brand of your own and and be your own boss. So you saved and kept your head down. That's really interesting to me because I think for a lot of people that are listening, they don't have an idea and they wonder, you know, well, I'll wait until I've got an idea, then I'll put all my energy into it. But you did the prep work. You did the prep work. Yeah, I think you, you I set yourself up to have that ability to, you know, I'm going to guess you didn't get yourself into a lot of debt. You didn't buy things you didn't need. You didn't you didn't get a lot of, um, you know, monthly costs that would stop you from following up on your dream when it came to you. And that is very important. I think that's really quite special. And uh, so how did you find your co-founder? This is another thing I know a lot of people struggle with, um, you know, finding a co-founder or, or making the mm. co-founder relationship work. So what, what do you think your secret source is on that? So I had a, what's the right words to say this? I was very, very scared of working with someone after my first experience. So um, in the failure of my first business, to give a quick summary, it was a fitness aggregation business um, where you could find and book a fitness class anywhere, which is now known as ClassPass because uh, someone came in and did it and, and took over. And I did that alone. I did that with the most naivety you could possibly have as a founder. I did not know what the word startup meant when I you know, started a business, but I did find someone to work with about a year down the line. And that person was not right for me. And it it ended very sadly and very badly. So I was scared. I didn't want to work with anyone again. And as I said, I needed the break. I needed the income. I just needed time out. So when Hetty, my now business partner approached me, she had been someone I'd worked with in these freelance contracts. And I really respected her background. She had also built a company, but with someone else. 
and been a little bit scarred. And someone really amazing in my life who is very successful and founded and, and um, a few businesses said to me, don't ever go into business with someone who hasn't been scarred. And it never left my brain. And being someone who had been scarred, meeting someone else who I respected who'd been scarred, I thought, there's something in this. Let me just see what this girl's like. So we became friends. We drank a lot of red wine. We did a lot of fitness classes. We did a lot of brainstorming. And that's essentially how Dose became Dose. What we did do prior to actually incorporating the company was work together on contracts. Um, It's more of a trust relationship tester. I mean, we joke and say that we dated for a while because that's that's literally what we did for about a year. And then we realized we liked each other. We respected each other. We had very similar long-term goals. We understood the hard work that a startup would be and we wanted to do it. Such a great insight as well that only experience can can really uh, fully understand. But the, one of the reasons we do this podcast is to try and give people this knowledge before they go through the pain um, of what you're talking about here. And I love this point. You know, you, you work with people that have been scarred, which sounds counterintuitive, doesn't it? But then there's so many um, learnings in that experience. And and can I can I make an assumption just on my own experience? But feel free to correct me that that the one of the things was making sure you had very different job roles making sure you didn't overlap 100%. each other. I should have said that. You're absolutely right. We are chalk and cheese. I mean, we have the same work ethic with absolute grafters, but she is a creative editorial genius. I am someone who loves people and commercial sales and I cannot do her job. She cannot do mine. I mean, I think she could probably do mine if she tried, but she doesn't yeah. want to. Yeah. I think that, I think that's, that's, that's crucial to the dynamic. And, and I think the, the work ethic alignment alongside having very different roles is when the magic happens. And so, um, your, your story is just so important for my listeners to pick up on. So, so you, you meet your, you know, you work, the other thing I thought was really good, by the way, the dating point. I mean, there's sometimes people jump straight into a partnership mm. with someone. Why not date? I personally had great experience. My last company, I sold it to PwC in part because we dated that Amazing. company before yeah. we sold it. And I think that's actually what made them want to work with my team and vice versa. And so I think it's really an underrated piece of knowledge there. And people want to jump straight into a co-founder structure and why not just work together for a while um i think exactly. it's such a such a good be patient right like you say date you wouldn't just marry someone but people do unfortunately and then sometimes it works you know let's call yeah. it luck and sometimes it doesn't right so it, it's really important what you're what you're talking about there I, I think you 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 see or speak to sometimes at some points of the relationship and the business your business partner more than you do your boyfriend husband girlfriend wife and that is testament to why we say we dated you you literally spend your life married to this person so you may as well get on with them mm. you said something else i think is also vital is you, you respected them and their craft and what they could do and i think that's yeah. also important you've got to give them space to make their own mistakes but also you know acknowledge that um that they they know more than you in that area and give up the power of of, of being the boss yeah. uh, which i think is really really interesting so so explain to us um you know what what kind of what happened next you know so so the business um you've got the partnership you're, you're doing these commercial deals so how did you build it out because again a lot of people dream of building a business like yours what, what do you think you know looking looking back were the, the next few steps that were vital so the beginning of dose we didn't know what it was as i said um I came from trying to build a marketplace aggregation tech business, which I didn't know was until the end. Uh, and, you know, a business that never really made money. So I spent a long time of that business raising money and I hated it and I'm not brilliant at it. So I 
kind of sat there and unfortunately at the beginning of dose i was like this is what we have to do we have to raise money but when we were at that kind of crux of our full-time jobs and our first paid client was nike that came to us and went we really like what you're doing your brand is really cool and we think you're really ahead of the game we were like oh my god someone's gonna pay us we um called the first person we knew that ran an online magazine and went how on earth does this work like how does how do you monetize it what's the process talk to me about your operation and learn as much as we could from as many resources we could pull in in our network and wow what a first client uh yeah. you know, I it sounds super glamorous um yeah no it, i know was, i mean I've, lots of money <laughs> i've also worked with these brands and uh, it's it's all it's hard work as well but 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 still you know that's a big validation i often thought that nike could do a, a brilliant program to support entrepreneurs you know to just do it just start your own business just do it that's yes. so good isn't it? i love that I yeah love that. well they've kind of accidentally done it by um by by backing you as a as a as a, as a client relationship so that they, they've kind of done it without realizing it so but um but yeah so just just backtracking a little bit i'm always fascinated to share with my audience the entrepreneurs kind of um history how how they've got this kind of let's call it the entrepreneurial drive which i i think um no one's born with i think everyone develops it but do you think entrepreneurs are born on bread and and were your parents entrepreneurs how, how did this kind of entrepreneurial spirit in you uh, manifest itself how did it happen so Again, amazing question, but I think the answer to that is both. So my dad was an entrepreneur, um, but he was a TV and video repairman with a shop in Forest Gate. So I should say I'm first generation, half Irish, half Indian, and I grew up in Essex in East London. Well, North East London, depending on where you are. So my dad did run a business, but he wasn't particularly driven by money. He, he was just a really, really chilled guy that wanted to earn a living for his family. Um, my mother is an NHS nurse and has been since she's 19, she's 65. So completely unentrepreneurial un 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 and institutionalized by her job. But I do think the only reason, maybe subconsciously, of course, I saw my dad work for himself. But I think for me personally, I just found a problem I couldn't solve in the first instant. So my first business, I was a freelance fitness instructor. So I knew the fitness market. I'd worked for every gym in London and I was a marketeer. So I saw the modeling open table, which for anyone listening that doesn't know open table, it's find and book a restaurant. And I thought, why on earth hasn't someone built that for fitness? And this was 10 years ago before ClassPass existed at the peak of the health and fitness boom in London specifically. So I think that was my drive initially. And then the subconscious was, yes, I, I'd known a few people in my career that had built companies that were good friends and probably always admired them. So a bit of both. Just looking back at your history, I mean, that's, that's, you've worked for pretty much all, I think, some of the top brands out there, you know, DKNY, Ralph Lauren, um, of course, Facebook, so um, and Instagram, I mean, the, these are kind of dream companies to work for, for a lot of people. Um, but so none of them tempted you to stay. It wasn't like, oh, actually, this this uh, employment life um, is a lot easier. Uh, so I did a lot of those brands before I started working for myself. And when my first business died, I was freelance and and to the point when I was freelance at Facebook as well. I think once you've worked, for yourself and it and you love the hustle and you love the drive and you love the risk it there's no going back so even though i'd gone to facebook i was still freelance um, and i knew i told you deep down like i knew i wanted to do it again i just wasn't sure what during that time mm -hmm. did your um did 
did your well your parents did they they say oh you're crazy doing it again or were they like did the first time well, how how did they how did they respond when you said you're going to do a new company well it wasn't so much doing the new company it was like are you sure you want to leave facebook you know uh-huh. facebook and it was a very good year for me i mean i was a freelancer in a tech company it was um a financially stable year let's call it compared to the rest of the things i had done but i mean my mum still has conversations at work and obviously someone goes oh facebook's a brilliant company to work for and then she rings me four and a half years into my now business going are you sure you did the right thing <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's always Facebook. Yeah, it's. Uh, I know what you mean. It's that's a very interesting phenomenon, isn't it? I mean, parents love us, so they ultimately they're just they're just doing it because they care about you so much. But but I know a lot of my listeners. We get a lot of we get a lot of messages around this where you know there, there's almost um, parents worry about their children and, and starting a business somehow seems risky. My view is that starting a business of your own is less risky than working for someone else, just because you're mm. in control of it. You know, you yeah. you can decide whether or not you're going to get fired, and you can make your business uh, survive by 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 pushing some buttons, whereas you can't necessarily make sure Facebook survives. Uh, if exactly. Mark Zuckerberg goes and says something wrong in Congress, that could get shut down and you lose your job, right? So there's, but it, but it is an interesting phenomenon that people feel like starting your own business is risky. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I really like your view on that. It's um, it's just it's just a perception, isn't it? And I think. For me personally, there's nothing like the fear to drive you to earn money. When you know you have to pay your rent, you know you have to pay a mortgage or bills or your, for your kids and feed people, there is nothing like the fear that drives you. And that's a personal thing. And, and something I should have added um, talking about being freelance and starting dose is I have still to this day teach spin classes. So when I've had a bad month, I have ways of earning money. And it's not a lot of money because it's a freelance trainer you know, income, but it's still there. If I need more. That's again, that's really smart. And it's also good. It's almost like um, a hobby that pays you money that keeps you sane and gives you that feeling. That I, I, I think that's really interesting as well. I don't do that. I, I, might, I might create a side hustle that is, you know, just for fun, a bit of income in case, in case the yeah. main job doesn't work out. The other thing you said earlier, which I think is really gold, is, is um, loving fear. That's the phrase you used when you spoke earlier. And I think that's really interesting too, because people in fear, most people uh, see fear as something to avoid, right? Something they want to reduce the feeling of. I don't want to feel fearful. I don't want to be worried about cash flow, mm. right? <laughs> Who wants to be worried yeah. about cash flow? But you know, I think that, like you're saying, that fear actually is, is designed to help you. It drives you. It pushes you. It's really, really interesting point you're making there. Um, so, how do you think you've learned to love fear? Because clearly, you know, you've, you've highlighted and been very open. You had had failure. Um, do you? How do you think you've come to enjoy fear? How, how's that happened? I think I've done every type of job I can that I can possibly be good at. And I know what makes me happy. And I believe in the statement, do something that scares you every day. Like I really do believe in that. And um, I have been a freelancer. I've been a consultant. I've worked for a global tech company. I've worked in four different types of industry and I've just weighed it up and gone, do you know what? Yeah, I earn a ton more money than I'm currently earning right now in my new business at Facebook, but I know what makes me happy. Mm. Well, I think that's another, such a great statement. That should be uh, on a T-shirt like as people walk by. What makes you happy? Do you know? You know, if you know what makes you happy and you go for it, that's that's pretty pretty powerful. Do do you think? Um, I mean, just structurally for a second, I, I was wondering your your brand name's so cool. I love Dose. In fact, um, Thank I, you. I, I, TikTok just sent me an email newsletter this morning. It said, "Here's your daily dose." And I thought to myself, you know, I believe in fate. Oh, I'm, I'm interviewing the founder of Dose yeah. today. Um, I wonder if that's a trademark. But uh, do you, do you, what about trademark? Did you manage to trademark the name? How did, how did you uh, manage to get that name protected? 
Um, do you know what? Unfortunately, you can't. We, we've, we've protected the logo um, and the brand name, but unfortunately, because it's a descriptive word in the UK, you can't trademark the name. So we're a little bit stuck with that one. Yeah, that, that's just one of the things I've seen in business myself. I owned a business called Foodie and it mm. did really well. And then someone came out of the woodwork and said they owned the trademark to the word foodie. And actually, they could have mm. shut us down and take the last three years of income would have been theirs because in theory, you're passing off and got into quite a, a funny old legal situation. So I'm always warning tough. people now, try to uh, protect. But you've got the brand image protected. That's at least yes, something. exactly. No one can trademark the word. So you're, you're okay, I think. Um, yeah. but, but it is one of the things I like to bring up, especially with great names like yours. Uh, that, that's something people need to think about when they've come up with a good name. You know, can they protect themselves? And has someone else already got foodie? <laughs> so it's in my case, I wish I'd checked that beforehand, you know. Um, but, it, but yes, it, but it's, it's, it's structurally quite important. So do you think, uh, you know, when, when, you, well, when you're thinking about your business now, uh, how do you define success for the business and for you personally? How do you, how do you decide what's successes so we haven't funded the business to date um, we very much have never put a penny into the business other than our own savings at the beginning um, which was very very small and for us success is consistent growth especially in this last year during the pandemic and being able to pay our team at the moment that is what success looks like for us don't get me wrong we put different uh, sorry don't I, I can change those metrics and those goals every month. Um, but at the moment, that's what success looks like for us. What do you think the critical factors were in, in your success? Do you think there's anything you can pinpoint in particular? Um, for the business now, yes. I think I had built an incredible network of people um, in my career and my previous business that was instrumental into getting the first paid income into this current business so yes it sounds amazing our first client was nike i'd known nike for 10 years because i'd worked with them and i had very much worked at keeping those relationships um even when they've moved on to new companies i think building a network is instrumental when you're starting out in the category you want to go into I know I've been on Clubhouse too much because as soon as I hear that, I'm like, oh, your network is your net worth. I just want to, I've heard too much people <laughs> in millionaire rooms on Clubhouse shouting it out. Your network is your net worth. But it is very true. I think building, and that's why I would tell people, treat your suppliers with a lot of respect because they're, you know, that, that, mm. that later could be your your partner in business and part of your network and as you as you grow. So just treating people um, on, on both sides of the equation, suppliers or, or clients, of course, well, and building that network up will, will serve you forever. Actually, even even after dose, that will serve you, right? Um, yeah. So it's a very good, very good point. Hundred percent agree. And uh, if you were to kind of do it again, um, start this business again, um, would you do anything differently? Uh, would I do? That's a brilliant question. Would I do anything differently? No, not at the beginning, maybe halfway through, mm. I maybe wouldn't have spent a really long time trying to think about building an app because we didn't do it. And that's a waste of my time. There's a million things I wouldn't have done in the last four years. Um, but I think for me, again, talking about the failure of my first company, it taught me so much about what I wanted to do the second time. Mm. Did, did, you, did you build a, a web platform first? Is that, is that what you mean there? Did, or did you build um, an app first? No, so we when we first started Dose, we thought we were going to we we thought we were going to create a, an app. I think our URL was actually doseapp.co.uk, um, and then we realised that we needed a ton of money. We both weren't technological people. Like I, I'm not a techie, neither is Hetty. We're like, what the hell are we doing? We're trying to build a, build a brand like on with our strengths at least in the initial stages. And again, for us 
to be a techie brand, we would have to try and find a CTO. We'd have to raise some cash, two things we're not particularly good at. We were like, great, let's do what we know best. Mm, that's another great uh, nugget there. I just, I think so many people sit there and say, right, okay, let's build a tech product. And the people involved aren't tech. And and then they wonder, you know, why they then have to raise money, which they're also perhaps not good at. And then they find that hard and spend all the time doing that. And then they try to hire people and they don't understand what they're hiring tech wise. Yeah, it's, 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 it's so true. Why not just you know, play to your strengths? OK, and, and clearly you you knew your space and you knew marketing. And so, you know, just leverage the things you're, you're good at. I think that's so, so insightful and so smart for hopefully my listeners to pick up on. So go, going forward, I mean, do you think there's any, um, in, you know, important personal characteristics that you, you and your partner have had that have kind of helped you push through and, and get where you've got? Um, I mentioned it before, but we're both just very, very, very hardworking people. And we both have hustle and a long-term goal with this business. It's not, it's not about trying to make, you know, a million quid overnight. Like we would love this business to be successful financially and live the life that we both want to, but we both understand each other's values, the business values and what we're trying to do. I think this working hard thing is another interesting area. So, you know, you hear a lot from the likes of Gary V, work hard, work hard, work hard. The only way to make it is work hard. Of course, then you'll hear the other side, which is work smart and so on. I mean, what, what, what does work hard mean, do you think? How, how do you frame it? I think with working hard, especially in a new business, there's a lot of sacrifices that come with that. I'm not saying that you should sacrifice your health by working, you know, with two hours sleep a night. It's, it's, it's not about that. It's just understanding your priorities. So right now I am working uh, more hours than my business partner because she is nurturing two children under two, but she's still working hard, like probably more than she has the energy for, but it's just about understanding what periods of your life you need to sacrifice what you know right now we are launching a new area of the business so we're working a lot harder because we're trying to balance a lot of different things um it's just it's also having that 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 work ethic like you want to keep going you're still driven by what you do i i think this is really interesting this area and uh, my my interpretation is always like if you have purpose it, it kind of cheesy but it doesn't feel like work it's exactly. um, you know you, you I, I've got a, a three and a half year old um, and I and I absolutely love spending time with him and uh, you know today he's like daddy play with me and, and don't don't do the podcast but I explained to him that I really enjoy it and I'm I'm I've got a purpose to help other people with this you know in, interviewing wonderful people like yourself and I and I feel like he understood and and you know but there's but I guess what I'm trying to explain here is that you know it makes the the painful things of like for example the sacrifice point you're making there a little easier because um, it's it's purposeful. And it's important. And, and actually, in a way, um, you make your business one of your children. <laughs> it is. Um, my, my business partner does call Dose her first child. And she now has, she says four because she has a dog and two actual children. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's a great way of looking at it. I actually think it's a great way of looking at it. And, and, and you've got to love it. You know, and that's why sometimes when people say, I'm building this business up to sell it. I'm like, would you sell your three and a half year old? How much would you, you know? Mm. And I, it's, um, That's it, brilliant. Yeah, I, I think there's a, there's a slight misunderstanding there. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I've exited my business. So there's, there's a time and a place, um, I think, when they're teenagers. <laughs> but, you know, each to their own. But, um, but I think, you know, it's one of those things. So what, what do you see kind of in the future for Dose? What's, what's, the, what's, the, what's the dream? What's, what's the long-term vision? 
So we've spent four years at the moment, well, to date, to uh, building this amazing community um, of readers. And now we're actually going to launch an e-commerce brand, which is something we've been working on for two years. So hopefully building something that our community wants, which we did a lot of research around, uh, to sell to them and hopefully make more people feel better. That's that's awesome. And uh, we'll put the links to your newsletter and, and e-commerce site and all that uh, when it's launched. We'll update the links as well. Make sure it's all below for anyone who's listening to this now. You can click through and see um, what, what's being talked about here and you can click through to the social media channels uh, for Dose. Um, just um, just wondering, I have this thing personally about education. I, I think the education mm. system is broken, uh, to be honest, but it um, doesn't mean you have to agree with me. I, I'm just interested in your view. I mean, what was your education like? Do you think it's helped you do what you're doing today or do you feel like there's, there is a problem like I'm suggesting? Do you know, I have this argument with my husband all the time. Um, I think education is broken as well. I had a really normal education in my eyes i went to a state school um, and then i went to a convent high school which was fine i have no feelings of good or bad towards it it's just what where i went to school and i did have i had absolutely no idea at the age of 18 what i wanted to do i had parents that didn't pressure me at all they were like as long as you are happy um, you know maybe go to university if you think that you have no idea it will give you a few more options and I was very fortunate enough to be able to go to university so I did but the only reason why I chose my degree was because I got to go and live in New York for a year so I did a degree in the most niche thing you could imagine and it was a degree titled fashion merchandising management three years into that degree I absolutely hated it and became a fitness instructor I mean, I was probably probably letting people know a lot about my personality right now. I'm not very good at stick, uh, sitting still. So I had a, I don't know, I'd call it a normal education, but also a little bit weird. I um, don't believe that directly my education affected what I'm doing now. Um, certainly the area of fashion retail management uh, did not. But at the same time, my husband believes, and I, I think he's probably right, I'm just someone who loves people and I'm very good at leveraging relationships and it is very much what I do now. And he said, you won, you won it. You wouldn't have, you would have done that regardless. And he's probably right. So that's interesting, isn't it? I think the, the natural core skills, people, um, you're, you're very strong because I think sometimes people, nat- people's natural skills get squashed by education in my view. So like fit into the system, memorize, take a test uh, and get this boxes ticked and that can squash people's true um, nature, but you fought back. I feel like you've 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 ended up leveraging what you're naturally good at, and and not let your education hinder you. Because <laughs> I can't see you as a fashion so merchandising. So I can't see you as a fashion merchandising manager in a big corporation. I just, I just, it's just not 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 you, is it? But still, like no, you said, you got no, the tra- no, you, no. you got the travel in, which I think is also really important, especially for young people to experience the world and and, and see how it works. And did you spend a lot of time in New York? I spent. A year in New York and I spent three years in Sydney. So um, I feel like I had some amazing traveling experiences. So when's those going international then? Oh my. I mean, we do have an international audience in our, um, our online readership. So um, I think we're working off a few ways around Brexit at the moment to try and get our products launched and then we'll think about international. Fair enough. Well, look, um, I want to thank you for giving up time today to come and share your story with us, your insights, knowledge. Um, I appreciate, you know, there's, there's, there's 15 years worth of experience you're kind of giving us in this podcast, and I'm really grateful. Um, I, I just want to end, I guess, by just 
asking if you went back to kind of the younger you and gave some advice what what would that advice be uh two things i'd say and it sounds so cliche and i really don't want i don't want it to is enjoy the journey you just don't know where you're going to end up and and you know life is a ride so enjoy the journey there's there literally is not a destination and don't be in a rush because i am always in a rush to do everything i'm in a rush to get to places i'm in a rush to hit a goal i'm in a rush to travel somewhere so I'd say probably stop being a rush, which I have to be honest, the last year has taught me. Very interesting. Very interesting. Well, um, I'm, your younger self, I'm sure, is listening and saying, you know what, I've really enjoyed the ride, so I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. But I appreciate what, you, what you've shared here today. I've, I've made notes myself personally, reminding me of things that I kind of knew in the back of my mind, but you mentioning them today remind me also myself. And I built 18 companies and reminded myself to enjoy Amazing. the journey a bit more. So, so no, I really appreciate you. And thank you so much for taking the time out to share your story with us today. And we'll, we'll look forward to having you back on when the e-commerce site's flying. Come and tell us what's going on and your plans for the future and uh, yeah thank thanks again for coming on the podcast thank you so much simon for taking the time to chat thank you for listening to the purposeful project podcast today if you got any value from this podcast then do feel free to give us a review and give us your feedback and if you think anybody out there might enjoy this story of this real life successful entrepreneur then feel free to share and of course go and visit purposefulproject.com and join our main list at any point Thanks again for listening.